Well, good Sunday morning to you and welcome to Mile High Magazine. I'm Melissa Moore. And with us this week is Jennifer Arrigo Charles, the Executive Director of Colorado Preservation Incorporated. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being on with us. So tell us a little bit about Colorado Preservation Incorporated. Well, Colorado Preservation is the statewide nonprofit historic preservation advocacy organization. So we work with communities and individuals from across the state, helping them essentially save the historic places and landscapes that, um, you know, have some meaning for them. You know, when when people think of historic preservation, often they think of a, a museum or a historical society, you know, something that uh, doesn't change. And right. really what our organization wants to do is, um, you know, help communities save the places that might be, you know, threatened in different ways and really adapt those buildings and landscapes to make sure they meet the needs of, of the current generation. So Hopefully they're around for uh, for years to come, so all of us uh, residents and visitors can really get uh, a good appreciation of these different places and um, kind of a, get a sense of how Colorado's changed over time. Yeah, and it really has changed. So I th- I, I'm right there with you. Like if we don't preserve this to tell the story, then the story kind of gets lost. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of our, our tagline that you hear a lot of sort of saving places. You know, it's in our conference name and it's in the, the mission of the organization as well. But really what we mean by that is, you know, we all kind of connect with different places. There's something about, you know, that great historic uh, coffee shop that you walk into with those exposed brick walls. You know, there's something mm-hmm. different about those places. And, you know, when, when they've been adapted and, and reused and um, kind of kept those significant key features of the place, but also changed, it really has a, a great story to tell. And I think that's why people, you know, do their road trips and, and mm-hmm. spend time in, in different communities just so they can experience that unique feel that, you know, we're lucky enough to have in uh, so many different places throughout the state. Well, and I think this that may answer the question for me right here, and maybe it's a simple question, but you're not just about Denver and the surrounding cities. The Colorado Preservation Incorporated is the entire state. Exactly. And I'm, I feel so fortunate and our team feels so fortunate that we really get to know Colorado in a way that, you know, many of your listeners might not have seen. You know, there's certainly those core communities that we all know about. Um, but, you know, when you really get out there and get on the road and, and start meeting with um, all the individuals that are working in their individual communities, there's just so many great projects going on right now throughout our state. And um, one of the ways that we kind of um, support different communities is through one of our programs called Colorado's Most Endangered Places. Um, it's a really unique program in that we ask the public to let us know of places that are historically significant but threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that can vary from a, a building that's been vacant and abandoned for, you know, let's say 20 years, nothing's been going on. But, you know, if, if there's a, a desire amongst the community to save that, you know, we'll, um, we'll work with them. And, and not all the buildings or, or places that are nominated get selected, but those that do, um, you know, kind of get our organization behind them to, to help save them, hopefully, um, over the years as, as we work. So that's a great way for us to get out and about in the community. And, you know, we, we take requests from individuals all the time. Um, and we also work with um, private property owners, you know, if, if they want grants or uh, projects done on their places, um, you know, we can help them um, kind of do that in a different way. 
Well, explain to me this. You you just mentioned, you know, once you decide to take on a property, um, how do, what happens then? I mean, what does the Colorado Preservation do after you decide, hey, that is a property that we can get involved with? It varies. So it's, we're talking about um, properties through that program I mentioned, Colorado's Most Endangered Places. Correct. Once a, a property is nominated and selected, um, there's a real great kind of publicity awareness push that happens. Um, we're kind of coming up on our Saving Places conference, and that's the first time in February that we announce the new places that we'll be working with um, kind of throughout that year. So that. Typically, mid-February is when we announce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a great relationship with CBS4. They kind of go out on site and, and film these different places and the individuals that are working to save them. So they help us kind of create that story. You know, there's so many places you might see it and think, what? why, why should we save that falling down building or, right. you know, um, that, that vacant location? But once you start hearing the stories and, and you hear from the individuals on the plan of what they'd like to do with it, you know, our, our hope is that we can help build that public support. Um, and once that's kind of put out there, then we look at the individual place and see what are the specific needs. You know, some places, um, they've got the team established, they know what they want it to be, but they just need a little bit of hand-holding. Other places, you know, they're just starting. Um, they don't know what to do, mm-hmm. they just want it saved. Um, and so for something like that, you know, we'll come in and um, kind of work with them on a plan and, and talk about some different options and then, um, you know, um, kind of see it to it's 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 finished and you uh, you were talking just about it we'll get to the conference here in just a minute but you announced what is it between three and five places every year that you're going to be focusing on yeah you know if you look at other states uh, they have kind of similar programs out there and some of them have a set number they select every year for us it's not about the number it's more about you know what places are we seeing that you know we believe we can really have a, a strong impact on so we don't usually set a number it typically runs between about three and five, but really when we look at the nominations, we consider, you know, um, what type of resource is it? Kind of through our endangered places, we really want to make sure we've captured all the different stories of of Colorado's evolution, you know, whether that be, you know, a a mining site or Mm -hmm. a historic Main Street or, you know, we've even listed one-room schoolhouses or industrial buildings. So we kind of have the the gamut, you know, agricultural landscapes, home-fitting sites, even neon sign. So making sure that the resource is is unique um, is, is obviously significant and has an important story to tell. But we also look at where it's located uh, geographically, mm-hmm. you know, like we've been talking about. We're a statewide organization. So, you know, we want to make sure we don't just have Denver sites or, you know, just one part of the state covered. So in over, you know, we're almost at 25 years of doing this program and we've gotten um, every region of the state covered and, in, in, you know, over 120 resources listed. So quite quite a, a strong number and, and a great representation. But the most important piece is really that community support. You right. know, we're, we're not an organization that's going to come in and say, you know, you have to save this place and, and this is why. We want to see, you know, that nomination that demonstrates there's there's strong support already at the at the ground level, and you know they just need that assistance in taking it to the next level. So those are all things that we consider when we select what places mm-hmm. we move forward with, and um, you know we we're pretty excited about the list this year as well. And tell me about some of the sites that have been listed. 
Yeah, so every year, you know, not only do we list new sites, but we also talk about, um, you know, if, if ones are going to be officially listed as saved. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year, there's two great projects, you know, one that's kind of near and dear to my heart. It it was a, a different type of, of resource for us. It's a historic apple orchard, so um, kind of more of that historic landscape that's so important. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this project is down in the Montezuma um, Valley, kind of Montezuma County area, and um, it was essentially a, an orchard that in 1904, the fruit from the orchard actually won the gold medal um, at the World Fair. And so from that, they took the name and started calling it the Gold Medal Orchard. Um, you know, when we kind of got on board uh, around 2015, um, you know, it was it was a landscape with maybe five or ten historic apple trees that were still standing. But the fear was that, you know, with some of the development pressures, you know, this landscape could get developed. Uh, it was owned by a local family that really wanted to see the genetic varieties of the fruit trees that still remained to um, continue. So there's just this wonderful group um, that started, and, and we're so lucky in Colorado to have this kind of idea of saving heirloom varieties of uh, genetics from trees. Um, so they're known as MORP, um, the Montezuma Orchard Restoration Association. And they started going in and, you know, they're working throughout the county, um, you know, talking to, to individuals that know of um, older trees that may be dying. And what they'll do is they'll go out on site, they'll graft the tree, and the idea is that then they'll replant them in this landscape that's been preserved. So, you know, it's a little under, I want to say, seven acres. That's all that remains. But they think that they can get about 500 of these um, kind of unique fruit variety trees that were grafted to be planted in that that location. So it's definitely something new for Colorado. You know, um, kind of if you go on the East Coast, there's lots of, um, you know, historic apple orchard and and historic apple varieties that are being preserved but this is something new here in our state so we're we're so pleased to be working with them and you know like i said it's going to be listed as a save for for 2021 so that's pretty exciting that is very exciting and part of colorado's history is everything you know that you're doing really is tell me about another one of the save sites Another one's going to be the the Goodnight Barn. Uh, that's in Pueblo County, right in um, Pueblo there. Uh, the Goodnight Barn, we started working with them in uh, 2002, so it's been quite a while. You know, that's the thing. Uh, uh, sometimes some of these projects, it's it's uh, they're all in it for the long haul, and there's so many different partnerships that are required in different groups that work together to come to a save. So with this one, you know, we certainly work with the City of Pueblo, the Goodnight Barn Historic Preservation Committee, Historic uh, Historic Pueblo, Inc., um, and, and certainly some other funding arms like History Colorado and the State Historical Fund. But essentially this was, um, you know, a stone barn. It's the only surviving structure from the Goodnight Rock Canyon Ranch, which um, kind of has its roots in the Goodnight-loving cattle trail. Okay. That, uh, um, had had cattle go from Texas to Colorado in the you know 1860s or so. Um, so the idea that the threat was that this um, this barn was going to be torn down and and some of the stone kind of moved to Texas and really um, the community got behind it and it's been a long haul but it's it's going to be open to the public and um, if you look at the before and after pictures it's pretty amazing to see what it looks like uh, today. Well, that is exciting, and I know something else that is exciting is the big conference you have coming up. Tell me about that. 
Yeah, and you know, this is all of our programs and projects, you know, are open to the public. So I'd say, you know, if you're listening and this is something that excites you, please reach out to us. You know, we take volunteers all the time. We have people work with us on some of these projects that we do. So that's one arm where you can get involved. But I would say the Saving Places Conference is a great opportunity for you to learn more. You know, it's it's kind of all, based on all levels. You know, we have everything from architects um, and kind of preservation professionals to students and regis- residents that are just interested in learning more about Colorado's history. Um, you know, it's, it's essentially three days. Typically, we have this in person in Denver. So this is the first year it'll be virtual for us. So I think there's lots of opportunities that we're excited about. You know, we know a lot more people now can join us. Um, the content is going to be available to you after the conference. So if you can't make it for the, the three days of the conference, you can certainly access that information afterwards. But we're going to be taking you kind of virtually on site to some of these locations. The Goodnight Barn that I mentioned is one of them. We're going to be headed to Silver Plume, and um, Senate Majority Leader Steve Fenberg has a great um, so, uh, bar down there, the Historic Bread Bar. And so he's going to be showing us how to make a great historic cocktail during one of our our events, but we have um, kind of sessions and and breakouts that are going to look at all types of projects from, you know, how do you get funding for a project Mm -hmm. to how do you plan it and, um, you know, just looking at some case studies of of historic places in Colorado. So quite, quite a range. I was going to say, now it's running February 10th through Friday, February 12th, 75 speakers, 30 sessions to choose from for folks that are interested. And like you said, more people can do it this year because it is going to be online. Do they need to register? And if so, where do they go? Yeah, I would encourage you to to go to our website. You'll see, you know, our full um, schedule of events, all of our different speakers. It's savingplacesconference.org. And we have great rates, you know, if you've never attended the conference before or if you're a student. Um, And, you know, if you are really interested in attending but you can't afford that price, please let us know. You know, really this conference is for all of you, and we want to see more people there. So, you know, we we will – Certainly, we'll do what we can to have you come. We have some scholarships available, too, for for certain attendees. So um, uh, take a look, and, and please consider joining us. I love it. And for folks that do want to get involved and volunteer or just find out more information, Colorado Preservation, what is your website? ColoradoPreservation.org. Real easy. Super simple. All right. Jennifer Arrigo Charles, the Executive Director of Colorado Preservation, Inc. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. And once again, if you want to get involved, all you have to do is go to the website, which is ColoradoPreservation.org. And the big conference we were just talking about, that is coming up here starting on February 10th. And you can get more information at the website as well. I'm Melissa Moore. It is Mile High Magazine. Thanks so much for joining us. Go out, have a blessed day, and be kind.